We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. Today is a little bit different. We talked about the uh, message that Pastor Witt gave a little while back on October 25th about do you want to be well. And instead of having you look to try to find that on the Church of the Move podcast, we actually got our hands on the uh, recording itself. So we're going to go ahead and post that here for you so you can hop in and listen to it uh, directly on this podcast uh, and then go listen to our uh, kind of study of do you want to be well with Pastor Witt. So brothers, enjoy. John chapter 5. Uh, John chapter 5 um, we, we get a question that Jesus asks a man who had been sick for a really long time. And on the surface, it seems like a simple question, a, a, almost an easy question, maybe even a rhetorical question. It is anything but that. It is simple, but there's nothing easy about it. I've been wrestling personally with this question all week. It has just been messing with me in the best way, and I wanted to share it with you. This sermon this week is a bit of a kind of a tandem sermon or a twin sermon to a sermon I preached a couple of weeks ago on freedom and the idea of being free from your past. You'll see how they connect as we dive into it. But let's go ahead and jump in. John chapter 5. Let's look at Jesus' interaction with this man. John 5, 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. Within these lay a large number of sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now you'll notice down here that I switched, ver- well, maybe you would. I'm, I'm reading the rest of this in, from the English Standard Version. This next verse I'm reading in HCT, HCSB, which is the Holman translation, because verse 4 doesn't appear in the ESV. And just depending on which translation you read, depends on whether or not verse 4 is in there. There's some conjecture about whether or not it belongs in there. And so I, I, I didn't even know this. I found this out this week. If you read it in the ESV, it just jumps from verse 3 to verse 5. There is no verse 4 in John chapter 5 uh, in, in the English Standard Version. But here's what it says. It explains in verse 4 why all of these sick people are laying there. They're waiting for the movement of the water. Why? Because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up recovered from whatever ailment he had. Now, what we've discovered since then is that there are subterranean springs underneath this pool. And so what would happen is this spring would bubble up from time to time and it would disturb the surface of the water. The people in that day said there's an angel disturbing the surface of the water and so the legend went that whoever got into the water first, they were healed. Well, Jesus shows up to this whole scene in Jerusalem and there's all of these sick people laying around, handicapped, sick, whatever, and they're laying there waiting for the disturbance of these waters. Let's read on. It says this. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, I want us not to pass by this. This guy had been sick, handicapped, whatever his situation was. We don't get exactly what was ailing him, but he had been there for 38 years. I want you to just stop and think about that for a second. 38 years 
years. 38 years is a long time. 38 years ago was 1982. 38 years ago, Ronald Reagan was in his second year of his presidency. 38 years ago, Michael Jackson just released Thriller. Steven Spielberg released E.T. 38 years ago, y'all, I was six. 38 years ago is a long time. This man had been in this condition for 38 years. We don't know if he was only 38 years old, and this is describing his age, or if something happened to him 38 years ago that put him in this position, regardless of that fact or that question. He had been in this situation for a long time. 38 years, family bringing him there. 38 years laying by this pool. 38 years waiting and waiting and waiting, and maybe one day something might possibly change. It says this, when Jesus saw him lying there. Now that's important, when Jesus saw him. Anytime in the Gospels when you read that Jesus saw someone, take note of it. Jesus, when he sees people, always sees them with compassion. When we read that Jesus looked on the multitudes, it says that he was filled with compassion. When Jesus, it says, looked at the rich young ruler in Mark's gospel, it says he looked at him and he loved him. In Luke chapter 7, when the woman comes in who interrupts Jesus' dinner with Simon the Pharisee, and she starts weeping over him and anointing his feet with this expensive perfume, Simon the Pharisee is incensed that this woman has interrupted their whole meal. And he's incensed that this woman who was a sinful woman, had a reputation, that kind of woman, had come into his home and Jesus isn't doing anything about it. And at a certain point, Simon, or Jesus looks at the woman and he says to Simon, do you see this woman? To see someone is to, to be filled with compassion. Can I give you some good news tonight? Whatever situation you're in, Jesus sees you. He sees you and he is filled with compassion for wherever it is that you are. Maybe you limped in here tonight. Maybe you feel a little bit like this man who's been battling the same thing for 38 years, facing the same struggle, the same addiction, the same problem, circling the same mountain for 38 years. Can I tell you, Jesus does not look at you with condemnation and judgment, but when he sees you, he is filled with love and compassion because he is for you. Jesus sees this man laying there. He had been there a long time and Jesus knew it. And so he looks at him and he asks him the question that has been messing with me. And I hope that tonight for a little bit, we'll wrestle with it ourselves. He asks him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Two weeks ago, I talked to us about how our past affects our present and therefore affects our future. We all come from somewhere. You got a past, just like I have. Chances are your past isn't all bad and all good. It's a mixture of both bad and good. You got some good times and some bad times behind you. Some things that have helped you and some things that have hurt you. The struggle is is that we tend to carry our past with us. Our past impacts directly our future. The example that I gave a couple of weeks ago was that so many of us are walking through life like having a, a, a belt around our waist with a bungee cord tied to the back. And we only get so far before that bungee cord pulls us all the way back to where we started. That is what our past is like. 
We get chained to events that happen to us. A father who never said, I love you. A divorce that we went through when we were kids. Uh, an addiction, a family issue that we went through. Uh, all manner of issues. It could be something that happened to us whenever we were younger, an abuse. Something that, that, that rocked us, messed with us. And we get tied to that and we, we struggle to get away from it. It, it, it haunts us. And, and often what happens as we go through life is other people do things, inflict wounds upon us, do things to us that mark us, scar us, that keep us tied to where we've come from. And so we carry that. And what I talked about a couple of weeks ago is the need to be free from our past, from the things that have been done to us. But here's what I also know is true about all of us is that we're not just carrying the things that other people have done to us, we're also carrying self-inflicted wounds. Years ago, whenever, I don't know, I might have been second grade, somewhere in there, second, third grade, my dad bought, brought home a couple of Shetland ponies for me and Gabe. So excited. We had a, an acre or so in our backyard, maybe a little bit more than that. And he, he came home with these ponies. We were so pumped and he saddled them up. We went out, we went riding. And I, I mean, I was just beside myself. You know, I had like every kid's dream. We have ponies, you guys. We have ponies in our backyard. So excited. I can remember though, it was either the next day or the day after that, my dad was leaving on a trip. He traveled a lot in those days because that's how, that, that, that was the, the, that's what he did for a living is he would travel and speak, and, and that was his ministry. And so he was out on the road traveling, but before he left, he said, you do not get on these ponies without me. Well, my mom, fortunately, wasn't around whenever he said that. So whenever I came home from school the next day, I asked my mom, Mom, do you mind? She didn't know. No, I don't mind. So I went out, did the best job that I could, saddled this little pony up, and uh, hopped on. What I didn't know was that these ponies were a little bit ornery. They, 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 they didn't really respect me. They behaved when my dad was around, but whenever, you know, 50-pound wit was on their back, they did not have much respect. So I'm on this little pony, and this thing, you know, initially starts out fine, but after a couple of minutes, he just decides to take off and run. And I mean at a dead run, which I don't know how fast that is on a Shetland pony, but to me, at, I don't know, 8, 10 12 years, whatever I was, I was terrified of this. So he's just running in a circle in our backyard at like a full clip. And I am just, at this point, like I'm yelling, I'm pulling back on the reins, please stop, the thing won't stop. So I get the idea that I'm going to do the only logical thing I can do, dismount. So I swing, I don't even know how, I, I bet you I went back, I swing my leg over like this, and now I'm, you know, stunt riding this Shetland pony. Right? And, and I just, I, I pick a point. It's like, here, I might just bail. So I dive off and I land in a pile of rocks, snap my arm, start yelling. My mom comes out, have to go to the emergency room, the whole thing, broken arm in a cast. Self-inflicted wound. It's a childlike story about a very adult reality. Many of us were hurting. We're carrying things that we do to ourselves. That alcohol problem that's gotten out of hand. The dumb debt we just keep piling up. The relational cycle that we just keep going through over and over and over again. The temper that we just can't seem to control. 
Whatever it is, the secret sin, the habit that we don't really want to deal with or talk about openly for fear of the shame and the judgment that will come back on us, we are carrying self-inflicted wounds. When Jesus asks this man, do you want to be healed, the answer seems obvious. Yes, of course I want to be healed. It almost seems insulting, like it's a rhetorical question, like why would anyone ask this question? But you need to know this about Jesus. He never does anything by accident. Every word, every action, every step, every question means something and is for a purpose. So when he asks this man, do you want to be healed? He's not just making small talk. He said it for a reason. John recorded it for a reason. And it comes to us tonight for a reason. Do you want to be healed? Because the reality is, many of us, and I've found this for myself, this is what I'm wrestling with, is often I find it easier to, to, to live in my excuses rather than doing what is necessary to be free. Do you want to be healed? I love this quote from a pastor friend of mine. You know him, Judd Wilhite. I've used this quote many times because I just keep coming back to it because it is so true. Sometimes a familiar captivity feels more comfortable than an unfamiliar freedom. In other words, it's easier just to keep things as they are. Yes, of course, on the surface, I'd like to be free of this. Yes, of course, I'd like to get out of debt. Yes, of course, I'd like for my marriage to change. Yes, of course, but are you willing to do what is necessary to see change? Do you want to be healed? I run into people all the time, and this is the situation. On the surface, and, and human beings, and can I tell you this? Nobody can lie to you like you can lie to you. We lie to ourselves, and we get stuck in our excuses. We have all of our reasons, all of the excuses for why things are the way that they are. Look, look, look at this man's excuse. Look at how he responds to Jesus. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Notice that Jesus asked him the question, do you want to be healed? And nowhere in his response does he actually use the word yes. All he has are reasons for why he is where he is. And I run into this all the time. I deal with this myself. I bump into people and, and in the lobby or people will reach out to me and they want some help. Wit, wit, I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. What should I do? Well, have you joined a small group? Well, I, I'm busy. Well, you know, I haven't been able to, to, to find one that really fits me. Well, I tried one, but it wasn't that great. I, I, I'm telling you, it just... It's all reasons why things are the way that they are. Wait, I can't connect with anybody in this church. Well, we've got all of these groups. Have you, have, you, have you decided to go to a group? Yes, I have. Well, do you actually go to the group? Well, no. I've never actually showed up or no. I only go like that one time, but I, I, I'm struggling to connect with people. Or people will say this, Wait, I, I want church on the move to make a real difference in the city. I, I'm 
kind of trying to figure out, are we doing enough? Is there more that we could be doing? And I ask them, well, do you serve at our first Saturday serve? Well, no, I've never actually come out to that. See, we've got all these reasons why we think things ought to be different, but we, we don't actually do what it takes to be healed. Do you want to be healed? We have our reasons. One of my favorite books that C.S. Lewis wrote is a little book called The Great Divorce. If you've never read this, you should. It'll take you, I don't know, uh, a, a half a day to read. It's super easy, just maybe 150 pages. And it tells an incredible, it's like a parable. It tells the story of a group of people from hell traveling by bus to heaven. And it's a fascinating story of people from hell experiencing heaven and not being able to sort of make sense of it. And it'll give you a whole new take on the idea of heaven and hell. It is not meant to be a a theological explanation of the actual realities of heaven and hell, but rather human nature as it pertains to heaven and hell. And one of the most amazing parts of the story is one part at the end of this book that I'll never forget. And I want to read a little bit of it to you. And um, it tells a story of what he's going to call a ghost. Ghosts are the people from hell who have showed up in heaven. And this ghost shows up with an interesting problem that honestly is an issue that I see happening all the time in churches and with Christ followers. But anyway, we'll talk about that as I kind of read through this. I want to read this to you. It says this, I saw coming toward us a ghost who carried something on his shoulder. Like all ghosts, he was unsubstantial, but they differed from one another as smokes differ. Some had been whitish, this one was dark and oily. What sat on his shoulder was a little red lizard, and it was twitching its tail like a whip and whispering things in his ear. As we caught sight of him, he turned his head to the reptile with a snarl of impatience. Shut up, I tell you. He said, it wagged its tail and continued to whisper to him. He ceased snarling and presently began to smile. Then he turned and started to limp westward away from the mountains. Off so soon, said a voice. The speaker was more or less human in shape, but larger than a man. And so bright, I could hardly look at him. His presence smote on my eyes and my body too, for there was heat coming from him as well as light, like the morning sun at the beginning of a tyrannous summer day. Yes, I'm off, said the ghost. Thanks for all your hospitality, but it's no good. You see, I told this little chap here, he indicated the lizard, that he'd have to be quiet if he came, which he insisted on doing. Of course, his stuff won't do up here. I realize that, but he won't stop. I I shall have to just go home. Would you like me to make him quiet, said the flaming spirit, an angel, I now understood. Of course I would, said the ghost. Then I will kill him, said the angel, taking a step forward. Oh, no, look out. No, you're burning me. Keep away, said the ghost, retreating. Don't you want him killed? You didn't say anything about killing him at first. I I hardly meant to bother you with anything so drastic as that. It's the only way, said the angel whose burning hands were now very close to the lizard. Shall I kill it? Well, that's a further question, said the ghost. I'm I'm quite open to consider it, but it's a new point, isn't it? I mean, for the moment, I was only thinking about silencing it because up here, well, it's so embarrassing. 
may I kill it? Well, there's time to discuss that later. There is no time. May I kill it? Please, I, I never meant to be such a nuisance. Please, really, don't bother. Look, it's going to sleep now of its own accord. I, I'm sure it'll be all, all right now. Thanks ever so much. May I kill it? Honestly, I don't think there's the slightest necessity for that. I'm sure I, I shall be able to keep it in order now. I think the gradual process would be far better than killing it. The gradual process is of no use at all, the angel said. Don't you think so? Well, I'll think it over what you've said very carefully. I honestly will. In fact, if you, I would let you kill it now, but as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm not feeling frightfully well, and uh, it would be silly to do it now. I'd need to be in good health for the operation. Some other day, perhaps. There is no other day. All days are now. Get back. You're burning me. How can I let you kill it? You'd kill me if you did. It is not so. Well, you're hurting me now. I never said it wouldn't hurt you. I said it wouldn't kill you. Oh, I know, you think I'm a coward, but that isn't it really, I say. Let me run back uh, on tonight's bus and get an opinion from my own doctor. I'll come again the first moment I can. This moment contains all moments. Why are you torturing me? You're jeering at me. How can I let you tear me into pieces? If you wanted to help me, why didn't you just kill the thing without asking me before I knew? Then it would be all over before I even had a chance to understand what was going on. I cannot kill it against your will, the angel said. It is impossible. Have I your permission? Does he kill the lizard? You'll have to read the book <laughs> to find out. But the point is this. Do you want to be healed? Because when it comes down to it, when we actually have to make a decision that we really want to be healed, so many of us would rather stay in our comfortable prison of excuses. A couple of years ago, I went to get a physical. It was a pretty significant physical. And um, went through a whole day and kind of battery of tests, all this kind of stuff. And they did exercise tests and all this thing, and at the very end, the, the, the doctor who kind of been working with me the whole day, she came in and she said, okay, here's where you're at, and gave me all the numbers. But one of the things that she said is, you need to start exercising more, and in particular, you need to change your diet. What do you eat? And we started talking about it, and she's like, there's some stuff in your chart and everything that's coming back that needs to be lowered. I, I need you to change your diet. And so she told me, she said, here's the chances of you know, the risks that you're facing. Here's everything that you'd be dealing with if you don't adjust your diet. I said, thank you very much. Went right out and went to Shake Shack and had a double cheeseburger. <laughs> One last hurrah, I told myself. The problem is, I've been on that one last hurrah for quite some time. Now, here's the thing. Judge me at your own peril, but how many of us are in the same boat? The science is crazy on this. The statistics are crazy on this. Your doctor can threaten you within an inch of your life and say, you will die if you don't change things. And the vast majority of people, me included, don't change a thing. 
We say we want to be free. We'd like to be healed. We'd like to live longer. We'd like to be free from this or that. But when it comes down to it, do you really want to be healed? Healing is possible. It's not a trick question. Jesus isn't toying with the man so that when the man says yes, he goes, well, I got nothing for you. Sorry. Healing was possible. The question is, do you want it? I saw this on Instagram this week, and I thought this was such a great kind of quote. I, I, I love this. It said this, marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your heart. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your heart. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your heart. Life is never easy. It will always be hard, but we can choose our hard. Pick wisely. Do you want to be healed? Jesus offers the man a choice. What is it that you want? And the, the good news about this is that when Christ comes to him, he's not coming in judgment, he's not coming in condemnation, he's not coming to point a condemning finger at you, the offer is real. And for many of us, we're carrying in us sin, iniquity, habits that need to change. It's called the process of sanctification. I'm in it the same way that you are. None of us are perfect. Every day, we're becoming, hopefully, a little bit more like Christ. But here's what I find for a lot of Christians, is that they're not 30-year Christians. They're one-year Christians who've had the same year 30 times. We're not growing and advancing in the kingdom. We are stuck repeating the same thing over and over again. And let me tell you why this matters. Because an unhealthy you equals unhealthy relationships. So often when we get into relational conversations, we want to talk about them and how I relate to them. But can I tell you the best thing you can do for your family is to get healthy yourself. The best thing that you can do is to allow Jesus to heal you of your wounds for you. Forget about them for now. Forget about what they're doing, how they're living, the choices that they're making. You focus on you and you watch what God will do in your situation. It starts with you. And so we take responsibility. Do you want to be healed? The man comes back to Jesus with his excuses, but I want you to look at how Jesus responds, and we're going to close right here. Jesus said to him, get up. Stop and think about that for a second. He's been there for 38 years. Get up. Like, this is the one thing he can't do. Get up. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't sit down with them and say, well, you know what, let's talk, let's talk about it. What, what's it been like for you? How, how you been handling it? How you been holding up? Get up. Get up. Take your bed and walk. And at once, the man was healed. And he took up his bed and he walked. The power of God is available for you. Make no mistake about it, the same Jesus who healed this man 
is the same Jesus that we pray to, the same Jesus that we come boldly to, the same Jesus who is waiting to operate in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your health. He is the same Jesus. And that same power that was on display here is available. It may work in a different way. It may not happen instantaneously like it did with this man, but the same resurrection, restoration power that will at the end of time make everything new. That is the power that's available for you in your home, in your marriage, in your family, that power. But here's what it takes. It takes a partnership with you. Jesus said you get up. He was healed as he got up. The healing came when he made a choice to leave where he was. And it works the same with us. I love this quote from William Barclay, the theologian. He said this, the power of God never dispenses with the effort of man. In other words, God doesn't need us in order to act. Uh, God God is fully capable of doing what God wants to do. Nothing is truer than that we must realize our own helplessness. However, in a very real sense, it is true that miracles happen when our will and God's power cooperate to make them possible. Said a simpler way, you could say it like this. When the power of God meets a willing heart, the impossible becomes possible. There's healing for your marriage. There's a new day for your finances. There is new life and new hope for your home. Do you want to be healed? Are you willing to do what it takes? When I talk to young people, one of the issues that we talk about a lot is what happens with phones. There's so many negative things attached to the phone from anxiety and depression to maybe worst of all, porn addiction. And it's amazing when I talk to young people, whether it's in a high school class or, uh, you know, in a gathering like at Midtown, which is largely young people, and we start talking and having this conversation about it, one of the things that I always tell them is, look, if you really want to be serious about getting rid of porn, are you willing to give up your phone? Well, let's not get crazy. Let's not be nuts. My life is on this device. All my friends are on this device. Get yourself a Nokia flip phone. $50 from Best Buy, you can go pick one up. Get rid of the thing that is killing you. Cut it off. Jesus said it would be better to cut off your hand, to gouge out your eye, than to enter into the flame as a whole person. You would be better to be maimed. In other words, it'd be better to go through life with some disadvantages and be free from whatever it is that's plaguing you than to have all the technology in the world but be a prisoner to it. That's just one issue. Are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to say, okay, I'm done living in the prison of my own making. I want to be free. Maybe that looks like talking to a pastor. Maybe that looks like getting connected to counseling. Maybe that looks like reaching out to us through the next move and going, all right, I'm going to get involved in a church, in a team. I'm going to get in a small group. Whatever the case may be, do it. Healing is possible. But it requires your partnership. Do you want to be healed? 
Hey, thanks for listening today. Our mission at Church on the Move is simple. We want to introduce people to the real Jesus by helping them know God, grow in freedom, discover purpose, and go make a difference in their communities. For service times, to stay connected with us, or to learn more about what we have for kids and students, check out churchonthemove.com or follow us on Instagram. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.